think I'm making sort of a fistling sound, am I? Should I move over here to this? Maybe speak from here? That'd be better? Yeah? Okay. Good stuff. Thanks. Lovely to see you. And uh, you're really, really welcome. And thank you very much indeed uh, to Mark and also to Stephen. I imagine most of us have seen the film Billy Elliot. We may have seen the play at some point, and uh, it's set in the fairly grim setting of the 1984 miner strike in County Durham. And uh, it features a family called the Elliot family. Uh, Jackie's the head of the family. His wife has recently died, and uh, times are really, really tough. And so Jackie and his older son, Tony, uh, try and make ends meet and try and uh, get through, despite the fact really that their, their money has stopped because they're on the picket line, and uh, there's a ba backdrop of violence between the miners and the police happening. And uh, the, the family are really on the brink, and they, and they practically are pushed over the edge whenever they discover that the younger son, Billy, who they think is going to boxing classes in, in the local gym or the local sports hall, they actually discover that Billy has transferred sneakily to the ballet class, uh, attended only by girls up until this point, and uh, rather than boxing, he is learning his pirouettes and whatever, jetés and everything else in ballet. And this virtually pushes the family over the edge. But with the encouragement of the ballet teacher, Billy auditions for the world-renowned London Ballet and manages to get an interview. And in the interview, he's asked to move to the music. And what Billy does can only be described as unorthodox. It doesn't look anything like ballet whatsoever. And it looks as if failure is inevitable. But just before he leaves the room, one of the panel, a lady, says to him, Billy, what does it feel like whenever you're dancing? And Billy tries to sort of stutteringly say what it feels like whenever he's in the midst of dance. And he says, well, it, it feels a bit like electricity. It feels like a change in my body. There's, there's like a fire in my body. I sort of forget everything. I sort of fly like a bird. And what we recognize Billy is saying in lots of different ways is that he finds freedom in the midst of dance. He, he forgets everything apart from the dance. And he discovers what freedom is about. And Paul in our reading today in Galatians 5, he's writing to this church in Galatia, and he's encouraging them not to give up on their freedom, the glorious freedom that they've been given in Jesus Christ. And so he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. The thing that all this reality about, what all this church and Christian faith are about ultimately, is about freedom. It's about not just temporal freedom in the here and now, it's about eternal freedom. And Paul is saying to them, don't give up on this. The early church leaders used to describe the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the term perichoresis, that they, they described the, the Trinity as being part of an eternal dance. Uh, the word peri means around, and the word choresis is the root of our word choreography. And so what it's saying is the early church leaders said, we believe what the Trinity is doing right here, right now, is dancing around. 
There's this dynamic movement, a dynamic relationship, and there's this love and joy and mutual respect that is constantly going on, that God is not static, God is dynamic even within himself, and actually it's a holy dance, an eternal dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where they're constantly looking at one another with mutual adoration, joy, and peace. And the amazing thing about creation is that you and I were invited into that The human beings alone were capable, the Bible says, of entering into the perichoresis. That we alone were made in the image of God, that we alone were made in a way possible for us to enter into relationship, into a dance with God. No other part of creation can do it. But human beings, innate within us, is this eternal hunger and thirst for what is beyond our sight and our hearing, and our taste, and our touch, and our smell. As it says in the Bible and the Psalms, that we're restless until we find our rest in God, that God has set eternity in the heart of human beings. In other words, we have this, we have this sense that there is a greater purpose, that there is something more. And the early church leaders were saying, that's because we're all made to dance. I don't know about you, but normally it causes some hilarity whenever I take to the dance floor. Uh, I only do it very rarely. Uh, I think the last time came about a year ago, uh, just after a wedding. And, uh, but I, I believe that Jesus Christ today is doing what he's always done, and that is inviting us onto the dance floor. Fear not, it's not a dance floor in the way of spinning lights and globes and everything else. It's about the eternal dance. It's about entering into relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think the first thing Jesus would say to us today is join the dance. Step onto the dance floor. Because the relationship starts whenever we're willing to to move away from the wall or get up from our seats and we're willing to join the dance that Jesus Christ died for us to be part of. See, Jesus Christ came He lived, he died, and he rose again. The first two chapters of the Bible describe for us being made for this relationship, being made for this dance in the Garden of Delight, the Garden of Eden. And then there seems to be in these first two chapters this wonderful relationship between the man and the woman and God, and everything is in perfect harmony. It is just this dynamic perichoresis of joy. And then we know in chapter 3 what happens is that human beings, Adam and Eve, they begin to, to step out of the rhythm of the dance, and they start to go their own way with dreadful consequences. First of all, we see them stepping on each other's toes and blaming each other for things. And they blame creation, and they blame the devil, and they blame everybody else. And then they start to unpick the beauty of creation. They start to pick fruit from trees they shouldn't pick fruit from. And, and Eden, the garden of delight, becomes barred. And human beings find themselves, by their own choice, out of the dance. They find themselves out of step with God because they've chosen to step out of the dance. And the consequences for that, well, war, abuse, 
pollution, corruption, the list goes on and on and on as to what it looks like whenever we dance our own dance and don't dance the beautiful harmonious rhythm with God. And that's the way it continued with every human being and has continued throughout history for every human being except one. Because with Jesus Christ, God himself stepped onto earth and back onto our dance floor. It's amazing that one of Jesus' closest friends, John the Apostle, describes the life of Jesus in words which to me sound a lot like a dance. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Does that not sound like someone who's a beautiful dancer? That what John was saying was that for three years, morning, noon, and night, he lived with a man and 11 other men, and he never saw him put a foot wrong. And not only that, but he moved gracefully every moment and every day of his life. Isn't that an amazing statement to say about someone that you've spent morning, noon, and night with. They were just gracious, and they never put a foot wrong. And so Jesus came to die for us. He came because you and I have a serious heart arrhythmia. You see, not only do our feet go to the wrong rhythm, they go to the wrong rhythm because our heart has the wrong rhythm. We have spiritual heart arrhythmia. And so Jesus came to say, let's do a great exchange. I'll give you my heart which beats in time with heaven and is strong and sturdy and vigorous and in fact eternal. And you give me your heart, the one that is faulty and frail and has fatal heart arrhythmia. I live with the heart you give and you take the heart that I give. And so he died on the cross for us. but he rose again to life because no one and nothing can stop the dance and no one can stop Jesus Christ. He was raised to life by the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit because the dance was always made for at least three. But amazingly, you and I are invited into this dance. And the first thing Jesus would say to us is step onto the dance floor. Now, I imagine what most of us do when it comes to that moment is that we say, why would a holy God want to dance with an unholy person? And the reality, the sad reality is that most of us exclude ourselves from the dance. God is issuing an invitation, and yet we say, I don't think God wants to dance with someone like me. Because the, the acts of the flesh that Stephen listed are all too obvious to every one of us. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I imagine there's not one of us 
but there's not at least one thing on that list that sounds terribly familiar. Selfish ambition. Envy. Drunkenness. Discord. Fits of rage. Sexual immorality. Factions. I imagine for all of us, there are things in that list that we don't just know the sound of, we know what it's like to actually live it. And so we think, a holy God would not want to dance with someone like me. And yet I believe Jesus Christ is here today, afresh, saying to every one of us, join the dance. Come onto the dance floor. I think the second thing Jesus says to us then, if we're willing to have his heart and have this great heart exchange, is to listen to the rhythm because the beauty of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, the beauty of, of entering the dance and having this great exchange is the fact that we now have within us a heart that beats to the rhythm of heaven. That's why it's completely useless to try and live a life, as we spoke of last week, it's completely useless to try and live a life where you follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ without the spirit of Jesus Christ within you. It never, ever works. Because the only way to step onto the dance floor and move to the rhythm of heaven is to have the heart of Jesus Christ, is to have the spirit of Jesus Christ within us is to have the great exchange. And so in Matthew 11, another close friend of Jesus in the message paraphrase uses this in terms of Jesus talking to his followers. Jesus says to us, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And how that happens is that we, we seek out the presence of Jesus Christ. We seek to listen to the heartbeat of heaven that is now within our breast. And we seek to listen. One thing struck me this morning just in praying that I sort of thought ironically, the time whenever I see God most clearly is when I have my eyes closed and my glasses off. The time when I hear God most clearly is when there's complete silence in the room. If we want to be able to hear the heartbeat of heaven of Jesus Christ in us by his spirit, when we've been washed clean by his blood and death and live by his resurrection, then we need to enter into the silence of heaven, the silence of eternity, and to once again be recalibrated by the heart of heaven, the Holy Spirit within us. Matt Rebbin, a singer, wrote a, a song a couple of decades ago that summed it up beautifully. I've, I've heard so many songs, listened to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. The Father's song, you sang it over me and for eternity it's written in my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony, now you're singing over me the Father's song. You and I are designed to dance to the Father's song. Everything else is just emptiness. Everything else is just existence. 
Everything else is just a pulse for 70 years or 80 years, whatever it happens to be. You and I were created to dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I imagine for us, particularly at this time, there's a temptation for all of us to think, you know, the head of the WHO said the other day, uh, hopefully within two years we'll get this thing cracked. And I think there's a temptation for many of us to think, you know, I'm going to mark time for two years. I'm just going to concentrate on staying alive and keeping my bank account in the black, and hopefully I'll come out the other side. And in a way, you've already had a pact with yourself to say, I'm not going to dance anymore. I'm just going to try and stay alive. But Jesus dance, dances and he invites us to move to the music with him. And the thing about moving to the music is that it doesn't matter what's going on out there at all. It's not to say that we're careless. I think we should be careful. It's not to say that we're inconsiderate. I think we should be considerate. But the thing about the dance of heaven is, as the history of the church has shown, is that even in the midst of the most dire places, and there have been human beings and Christians in far worse places than we've ever experienced, people have continued to dance in the midst of Nazi concentration camps, in the midst of a holocaust, in the midst of facing starvation and death, have continued to dance to the rhythm of heaven even when all around them seemed like hell. And that is the amazing thing about the dance, the perichoresis of heaven. So Jesus invites us to move to the music, and the reality is for many of us, that's when we pull back. I imagine for the vast majority of us here, we have, we have stepped onto the dance floor. We have asked for the rhythm of heaven. We've asked for to become Christians, to ask Christ into our hearts and to give us a new start. And then he asks us to move to the music with him. And many of us at some point start to stop. See, the thing is, to dance, you need to be willing to be really stretched. Dancers spend hours stretching, not because they enjoy stretching, but because they want to be able to dance fully wherever the dance takes them. And the thing about the dance is that in the Old Testament, it showed us that it was like a bit like painting with numbers, that the, the people of Israel, they, they had their faces down towards the ground, and they just tried to step on the places that they knew was the safe ground. Do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not uh, worship idols, honor your father and mother, keep the Sabbath day holy. And all the time they were trying to put their feet in the right places, and they were looking at the ground, and it just wasn't working. Because a true dance, a joyful dance, a free dance is one where you don't look at the floor. You look into the eyes of the one with whom you're dancing because you love them. And all of a sudden, you're dancing in a way where, yes, your feet are going in all the right places, but like Billy Elliot, you've forgotten all about your feet altogether. 
And what Paul says is he sums it up in this. If you want to know what it means to always take the right step, if you want to know what it means to fulfill the law, here it is, plain and simple. You love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Do you want your feet always to go in the right place? Well, love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. But it's only if we go on to the dance floor. It's only if we listen to the rhythm of heaven is that possible. And it's only then if we're willing to move to the music. And that's where many of us at many times decide that it's just too much of a stretch. God spoke to a man called Abram in the Old Testament, Genesis 12. The thing that amazes me about Abram is that he had no church, he had no Bible, and I don't think he heard the voice of God audibly. And yet he heard the whisper of heaven. And he heard the Lord say to him in the midst of silence, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. The thing about being willing to listen to the voice of God is that many times we'll find that he asks us to do something that we just think is just too much of a stretch. It might be to do with our circumstances, our job, our home, or our finances, where God says to us, I want you to up sticks and move. It might be about our character. We have a short fuse. And we go around saying to people, it's just the way I am. We go around saying, I'm just someone who's very low in confidence. It's just the way I am. And yet Jesus is saying to us something entirely different. Could we do with our relationships, the friends we hang around with, that we know they're destructive friendships. We know they're unhealthy relationships. And yet we continue and we ignore the stretch that Jesus is asking us to make. To be called to a life of celibacy, or to be called to a life where we, we marry as a Christian, we only marry a Christian, because the Bible says that's the way to go. And the reality is we can't dance with someone who's not a Christian, because they cannot hear the rhythm of heaven. We'll only stand on their feet, and they'll only stand on ours. Or in our thinking, our prejudices, our commitments to our family or to church, our determination to meet with the Lord in prayer, in reading the Bible, in giving, in serving. 
The thing about the dance with God is it will always require adjustment. It will always require change because when we meet Jesus Christ, we're dancing with the wrong steps. We're dancing in the wrong way. So it's going to take change. I became a follower of Jesus Christ when I was 14 years old and much to my surprise, he called me to follow him and dance with him and he called me at the same time to be a Church of Ireland minister. No one was more surprised than me. And the, the two years of my life that led up to that were probably some of the darkest of my life. I vandalized property. I stole. I lied. I got drunk as often as I could between the ages of 12, 13, until I was 14. And even when I took that step to be a follower of Jesus Christ, for months I wouldn't call myself a Christian because I didn't feel I was worthy to bear the name. Until a wiser, older Christian said to me, Nigel, you've got to think, you've got to know your life is no longer about what you have done. Your life is now about what Jesus Christ has done for you. I wonder if you're here today and you're thinking, I would love to dance with God, but why would God, a holy God, want to dance with such an unholy person? And I want to say to you today, there is nothing in your past to disqualify you from the future that God has for you. There is nothing in your past that can disqualify you. There's only one thing that can stop you, and that is your own no. The dance floor is open to you, and God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying, come, come onto the dance floor. Receive my heart, hear the rhythm of heaven, and move to the music. I wonder, somewhere in your memory banks, perhaps today, if you have been a follower of Jesus Christ for months or for years, and somewhere in your memory banks, you remember a time when you were dancing closely with Jesus Christ. When it was like looking into his eyes and everything just seemed to flow. And I wonder now if you feel as if you're standing still and somehow you've lost track. I want to encourage you in a moment, we're just going to have a time of silence and Mark's going to sing a song inviting the Holy Spirit to come afresh. If we've committed our lives to Christ, the heart of Christ always beats within us. But maybe we've become insensible to it. Maybe we've stopped listening to the rhythm of heaven and we've start, started listening to fear because fear is the first thing that makes us deaf to heaven. Or perhaps there's something along the way that you've come to and said, Jesus has said, I want you to make this change for your own sake so you can continue in this wonderful dance. And we've said, I'm not willing to take that stretch. I'm too afraid. For every single one of us, it'll be different. I just want to encourage you, whatever change, whatever stretch Jesus says to make, make it, because there's nothing like dancing with Jesus Christ 
in the heavenly dance. Jim Elliot described it as living with reckless abandonment. Dorothy Sayers, Christian writer, described it as having a careless rage for life. The famous author G.K. Chesterton described it as the whirling adventure of Christ. Do any of those phrases describe your life? Well, they can. And Jesus Christ is inviting us by his Holy Spirit to come and move to the rhythm of God on the dance floor and to look into the eyes of Jesus Christ and discover what it means to be loved, to be loved beyond our imagination. Let's stand together.